Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Geostorm in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. Geostorm comes from director Dean Devlin, producer of such classics as Independence Day, Independence Day Resurgence, Godzilla, the Matthew Broderick version, The Patriot, Stargate, and Flyboys uh, are, are the movies of his I've seen as a producer. Um, he is also one of the writers attached to Geostorm, and it's a new movie. It's a disaster movie. You know, think The Day After Tomorrow, 2012, and, and other films along those lines, where crazy shit happens and the world is on the brink of disaster. That is the general conceit of the film. That's why people went to see it, because it's, you know, it's San Andreas. It's just uh, a big, dumb action movie, for the most part. And having gone and seen the movie, uh, to my uh, chagrin, it's it's real bad. It is real bad. And there's, there's fairly nothing. Uh, there's really nothing that redeems it in any sense. So as far as that's concerned, uh, I gave Geostorm a six. <laughs> I think it's, it's pretty awful. Uh, it's not a zero, uh, you know, at some points there are, I, I don't know, it's fun to laugh at, and we will laugh at it. I, I took down some quotes <clears throat> that I think are pretty, pretty terrible from this film, and uh, I'm going to sprinkle those in throughout this episode, uh, but it's not even the worst film that I saw this week. Uh, so I, I, or well, not this week, but in the last seven days, and that is shocking, absolutely shocking. Uh, there's two films that I watched uh, that I gave less than a six to in the last few days, and one of them is I saw in theaters, and that's The Snowman. Not really going to talk about The Snowman ever, but it's it's a pretty, a pretty awful movie as well. Uh, so Geostorm uh, stars Gerard Butler, Jim Sturgis, Abby Cornish, uh, Eugenio Derbez, Andy Garcia, Ed Harris, Robert Sheehan, Richard Schiff, Mayor Winningham. So it's got a decent cast. Uh, one of the only good things about the movie. Uh, Gerard Butler and Jim Sturgis play brothers. Gerard Butler is the architect behind the system that controls the weather now. It is a series of satellites uh, run by an international space station that uh, targets severe weather and, and destroys it, which unfortunately doesn't sound something like something that's so far off from realistic. Uh, I don't know about 2019, which is, I think, when the film is supposed to initially take place and when the system is supposed to be built but uh, uh you know in the future i you know with how devastating hurricanes tornadoes floods and things are 
it would not surprise me if this became something to focus our our efforts on. And this film provides a pretty good reason why not to do that thing. Because, like any anything ever created by a human being in ever, any history, uh, if, it's, if we built it, it's a weapon. Doesn't matter what it is, it's a weapon. You know? And... Uh, I... I I forget what they call the system, uh, or uh, they call it Dutch Boy. They call it Dutch Boy, and so because just because Dutch Boy is built to save people and help people and you know uh, do good, doesn't mean that there aren't hundreds and thousands and millions of people in the world that can use it for bad, and that's how this movie uh, pretty much starts out. You know, you have Gerard Butler removed from his position as lead scientist, manager, or whatever of the space station. Three years pass. Everything's perfect until we have malfunctioning happening up on the space station. Uh, Through a series of convoluted and uh, convenient events, Gerard Butler is brought back in as the man in charge on the space station. Uh, His brother, Jim Sturgis, is the man in charge on the ground. And he is tasked with figuring out, one, why these malfunctionings are happening, and two, fixing them. And as you would guess, the film proceeds and we learn that it's not a malfunction, it is an intentional thing, and someone is intentionally killing hundreds and thousands of people around the world, intentionally causing these terrifying disasters, just because they want power, they want to cleanse the world, they want to do this, that, and the other thing, you know, typical villainy stuff. And so the rest of the movie just becomes trying to figure out who done it and stop it from happening. I, I mean, you know, it's, it's, the, the plot is, is far, far and away the least problematic part of this movie. It's very straightforward, it's very simple, and you know, it, it would be so interesting, and it would be a far better film, if we only cared about what was happening up on the space station. Unfortunately, can't do that, because we have Jim Sturgis on the ground, and he is, like, a, you know, very high up in the government, you know, has the president's ear, he's dating a member of the Secret Service, Abby Cornish, and so he gets involved in, you know, kidnapping the president, which you've seen in the trailers, and just basically, you know, things that, you know, you can get away with in a movie like National Treasure, but in this, it's like, who gives a shit, because we've got tidal waves and ice storms and hail the size of human heads crashing on and and destroying the planet and the cities, like, I don't want to know, like, I don't want some... National Treasure knockoff B-plot, like, just give me, you know, make, put everything on the space station, let's figure it all out up there, and, you know, who gives a shit about the ground, other than as a means to an end. So, that was stupid, and I I dislike, I, I mean, not that I like any part of this movie, but, like, I disliked that a lot. And so... 
what ends up happening once things get a little crazier and uh, one of the scientists on the ground who monitors the space station comes to the realization that the targets of the malfunctions, there's a pattern, or not necessarily a pattern, but it's the beginning of a scenario. And whatever the sequencing of the scenario, they all end in, wait for it, a geostorm. That's right, a geostorm, like the title of the movie, which is a global storm that breeds new storms because it's so big. And, uh, you know, I, I don't have any idea what the literal possibilities of this type of a thing are. I don't know that that's an actual thing. Uh, it sounds far less believable than whatever the hell happens in Day After Tomorrow. But, sure. I mean, whatever. If you if you want to call it that, that's fine. Uh, but that is... they Every time you hear the word Geostorm in this movie, it sounds awful. There is a ticking timer on a, on a huge screen in front of a, dozens of people that says, Time to Geostorm, colon, and then a countdown. Uh... And I'm using that as one of my ten awful quotes from this movie. Just Geostorm. Just the word Geostorm is said so often. I, it's it's It loses all meaning. It becomes... It sounds silly coming out of the mouths of these actors. It sounds silly me saying Geostorm. And I, I don't know why they tried to push this on us so hard. I, I don't think it... It just detracts from any potential drama that this movie has. And and it's it's just silly. And so here's another pretty bad quote. Um, and uh, there's a moment where Jim Sturgis, on the ground, confronts the perpetrator of the malfunctioning Dutch boy. And I won't give away who the perpetrator was, uh, other than it's not Jim Sturgis. But, he, so he's confronting this guy, uh, and he says something to the effect of, do you know what my brother would say? Referencing Gerard Butler. And after a pause, I don't think the other person like says anything back. Uh, Jim Sturgis punches him in the face because his brother wouldn't say anything. His brother would just punch him in the face, which is something we've seen before. Maybe not specifically as a, do you know what my brother would say? Or, do you know what somebody would say? Type of thing. Or like, you know what I got to say to that? And then you punch the person. It's all very ridiculous and stupid and awful. Um, another example uh, this one comes from our good friend Gerard Butler, where he is in a dire situation, and he looks at the other person stuck in the dire situation with him, and he says, Do you believe in a Hail Mary? No. No, I don't, Gerard Butler. But, <laughs> to that effect, um, he, he then, like, I think the next line he says as he's doing the thing that he calls a Hail Mary, is he says, hopefully someone sees this, fingers crossed. He says fingers crossed, doesn't cross his fingers, to what, to the best of my recollection. 
And, you know, I, I don't care that, like, he's using this, this sort of ridiculous method of communication that if you ever look at the movie, you'll know. But I don't care that he's doing something absurd. It doesn't have to sound absurd when he talks about it. It doesn't have to sound like the dumbest thing imaginable, like, it could just be reasonable, I, I don't know, it could just make more sense than that, uh, so, I don't know, it, it just doesn't seem, it, it just, it doesn't, nothing is, is, fits together in that kind of way, it just doesn't work, uh, so, you know, referencing that same scene, a different character who does, because obviously the Hail Mary works, like, they're not going to make it not work, you know, somebody, another character calls out, you know, they're using exhaust, like, the exhaust flares are pulsing in a mayday pattern, so think of, like, if a rocket ship used its exhaust in, like, Morse code, almost, you know, it's ludicrous, it, it, it you know, I, it, it doesn't make sense to me, it doesn't have any bearing and semblance of, like, what happens in reality, so I don't know what the point, you know, it, it seems like, I, I don't know, I feel like the people writing this are like, this is clever, you know, the same way that people who wrote Batman v Superman thought Martha was clever. Like, it's not. It's just really stupid. Um, most of the bad lines happen after the uh, shit goes down in this movie. You know, I actually felt like there were parts early on in the movie that weren't terrible, which is why this doesn't have a zero or less than a six. But they are all after things go sideways, like completely sideways. Um, you've got lines like, uh, Gerard Butler says, Fernandez, you son of a bitch. And we've heard that. In, like, every buddy cop movie, there's a variation of that type of line in it. it you know, I, I don't need... What, like, why... I don't get it. Or, line from the trailer, uh, if you saw, there's a scene where Jim Sturgis, Andy Garcia, Abby Cornish are in a car together... Abby Cornish does some fancy car driving, and Andy Garcia says to Jim Sturgis, marry her. A terrible line. Later on, Jim Sturgis does something fairly remarkable, and Abby Cornish says to, I guess, Andy Garcia, I don't think they're necessarily in the car, but it's the three of them, so it probably was Andy Garcia. She says to him, he's my fiancé. Uh, man... Really? Uh, and so I got two more quotes that I think are pretty stupid. Uh, the first is the last, like, truly awful one. And Andy Garcia plays the President of the United States. Which you know, because they tell you that he's the President of the United States. A lot. Which, in and of itself, is, I guess, fine. But there's a moment where... Uh, he also confronts the perpetrator of the crimes, and he says to them, or, or there's something like, something to the effect of, somebody says, 
you know, how could you possibly survive? And he responds with, I'm the goddamn president of the United States. Like, as if that's the reason he survived? Like, no, it's not, one. Uh, but because, like, the reason he survives is Abby Cornish's character doing things. But it just, oh, it's it's endlessly frustrating. And so last line that I took down is the only line on this list that actually felt funny coming out of the character's mouth. It's still problematic, and I think it's poorly written, but at least the character who says it doesn't sound like an idiot when they say it. And the line, I, I didn't take it down word for word, but it's something to the effect of, uh, it feels like riding a roller coaster after eating Chipotle. And it's just like a mouthful of a line, and uh, Zazie Beats is the character who says it, and she, or is the actor who says it, and she pulls it off decently, I guess, as decently as you can pull off a line like that, but it, in the end, it's still really poorly written, so it just, it's laughably bad throughout the whole movie, from the acting to the lines to the plot, None of it makes sense. Uh, you know, don't put big countdowns in your movie, especially ones that say time to Geostorm. And don't have, uh, you know, don't make your bad guys stupid. Like, all the bad guys are stupid in this. The plots are stupid in this. I, you know, I... The, the the bad character on the space station does like their best one, one does one line of their best like Heath Ledger impression from the Joker you know with a line about wanting to watch the world burn which is awful and it's just there's no there's no good qualities you know it just it doesn't I don't know I don't have anything else to say. I'm done. I'm done. Don't go see Geostorm. It's not a good movie. It doesn't even have, like, good effects. I don't even think it looks not pretty. It doesn't feel like they had... Like, a, it doesn't even feel like a Transformers budget, to be honest. Uh, not that I think that The Last Night was better than Geostorm. I think Geostorm was a little bit better, but... It, it just... There's no... I don't know. There's There's no... There are no stakes. None of the characters are really ever in danger. And I was never concerned for anybody in this movie. I didn't laugh when I was supposed to laugh. And I wasn't concerned or worried or anything like that unless, you know, at all. It just, it doesn't, nothing in this movie succeeded in doing what it was supposed to do effectively. So, Geostorm, don't go see it please, uh, you know, it, you know, I saw it because of Fantasy Movie League, because I played it in my Fantasy Movie League Cineplex, um, and, uh, that's the only reason to have gone seen it, that's it, and, segueing very nicely, let's, uh, talk about last week, and, in Fantasy Movie League. We sink into our seats right as they dimmed out all the lights, a technicolor world made out of music and machines. 
Week 8 has come and gone for us, and it was the week of Geostorm. That's right, the Perfect Cineplex ended up being five screens of Geostorm, two screens of Victorian Abdul. And around the league, or around the site anyway, there were a lot of people who missed this, as it turned out. And our league was no different. We only had two people go heavy on Geostorm. Uh, one was myself, and the other was Film Obsessed 35. Uh, the two of us both eclipsed $76 million this weekend, while nobody else even hit 55. So uh, Plexi and Film Obsessed 35 made huge leaps uh, in the rankings uh, in week eight. Uh, the leader, Kill Music, is still the leader. He did suffer a loss, but not so great that he fell out of first place. He felt uh, he played a screen of Boo 2, Happy Death Day, Blade Runner, and five screens of The Mountain Between Us. This is the second straight week that Kill Music has kind of fumbled things at the top of the, the rankings. Uh, he's really opened the door to let other people in and uh, challenge him uh, for this season. Uh, he's about $18 million ahead of Rybone, $25 million ahead of Perksplex, $26 million ahead of Plexi, $40 million ahead of Xanadu, $54 million ahead of Film Obsessed 35, uh, and uh, 62, $62 million ahead of Rahman. And, you know, that, you know, obviously $62 million is not ideal as a deficit but you know just looking at where we were at two weeks ago is a huge step a huge step closer to uh dethroning kill music and you know who doesn't want to do that except keel music so this week uh showed us that i don't know there weren't a lot of statistics to do this week uh we had you know, I, as Plexi, uh, took the lead for the season in terms of best performers. Uh, this is the first week I'd won of the season. Uh, so I edged out Film Obsessed by about $534,000. Uh, we both played four screens of Geostorm. He played Foreigner, same kind of me, same kind of different, same kind of different Ninjago. Uh, so Farner, two same kinds of different as me, and in Jago, I played a Blade Runner and three Victorious and Abdul, and I edged him out by about 500k. Uh, but uh, we've now got six people who have eclipsed 600 million dollars on the season, from Kill Music to Film Obsessed 35, and we are looking at five people at the moment who have broken, or are still above 80% of the maximum point potential. So what that means is if you had 100% of the maximum point potential, you would have gotten the perfect Cineplex every single week. But this is impossible, I think. And uh, Kill Music leads the way with 86%, which is actually incredibly low. Um, if you check out the post I put on the uh, Cinerealist League chatter, uh, there's tons and tons of statistics about the season. And 
you know, we, we, it goes further into detail than I'm going to go into this episode because that's not very fun to listen to. But uh, Cue Music leads with 86.5%, Rybones at 84 Perksplex 83 me Plexi at 83 and Xanadu at 81 uh, Xanadu uh, has won two weeks. Perksplex, Plexi, uh, Raman, and Shaman have all won one. And then Yo JRB has won twice, uh, despite the fact that he is currently ranked uh, 18th. So, uh, room for upward mobility, at, at the very least, I would say. But he's only like $140 million behind, so five perfect cineplexes might put him into the top five. I don't know. Depends how easy the rest of the weeks are. Uh, looking ahead uh, to week nine, we have Jigsaw debuting with $277 million, 277 fantasy movie dollars. Uh, Suburbicon comes in at 150 and Thank You for Your Service comes in at $89. Uh, a couple of movies dropped out, and for me, at the moment, this week seems fairly straightforward. Uh, I don't know if that's the same vibe you'd get from reading the chatter, but I've pegged a movie that I think looks to blow the rest of them out of the water, and it doesn't seem to be close. Now, that could change with new data, but at the moment, I'm feeling pretty confident in what the best performer will be. That being said... Uh, as the margin for as the margin of deficit grows ever smaller in the last two weeks, it has become more and more uh, important to not falter if you are one of the people climbing up toward Keel Music. Uh, so, you know, if you were of the mind that you know if you thought he might falter, it's been shown that he can. So, don't. You know, don't I would. We're, there's five weeks left, and I think you probably shouldn't take any unnecessary risks going forward. And that's gonna be it. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you have any comments, concerns, questions, or answers, you can send those to circleoffilm at gmail.com. If you are interested in the show, in the spreadsheet, in anything like that, head over to circleoffilm.com. And if you would like to support the show in any way, shape, or form, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash circle of film. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same good night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fails.